McShane Bible Study, day 333. That's a lot of threes, huh? Um, so we're starting in First Chronicles. We have two today, 26 and 27. And they're doubling up a lot of these because it's, it's a whole lot of names and numbers. Um, I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about this recently, and since we're going through this, it popped back into my head. There's a, well, it's probably a bunch of themes, but there's two or three that occur a lot in the New Testament by explaining what God's doing, by referencing what God did, okay? So everything that's happening here in the Old Testament is a type or a shadow for what is to happen um, for an end times people, right? So... Um, you have coming up Mount Zion mm-hmm. is mentioned multiple times in the New Testament, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? That's, that's Moses coming up, getting the law, receiving from God the way in which a people of God should live, right? You have, when you have um, Jesus, for, John the Baptist talking about Jesus before Jesus started, Jesus everywhere he went, the, uh, the apostles, Jesus' disciples, um, when they taught wherever they went after Jesus was gone, what was it always? <clears throat> to introduce a coming kingdom, right? So here, when we read about David's kingdom, we're seeing a lot of detail about how everything was structured, right? So we have the names, the families, the positions, the jobs, everything that was happening. And so we see a lot of order because David's kingdom is, is kind of the great, I mean, you could argue Solomon is, is the fulfillment, but David set up the prototype for this kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we think about us, receive, we go to the Lord to learn his ways, right? that are not of this world, but of his wisdom, he's obviously going to establish systems of order in order for his kingdom to function properly, right? Jesus explained this when they, they called him, uh, you know, of Beelzebub, right? He said, that? it's like Satan. Basically, they were saying that he was casting out demons by Beelzebub or by Satan. He says, no, you understand, there's an order to these things. It, that, that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So uh, as we go forward, we look, well, how is the Lord leading us to establish relationships, to establish order in our own lives and in the lives of those around us so that his kingdom is built up, right? Mm-hmm. Are we always looking for how is the Lord wanting to structure these things? Because he's doing a new thing in the world, right? And so we want to be led by him in our part as he structures his kingdom. You see that? All right. So then we go to Second Peter. We're starting a new book, Second Peter. And um, it's a short book. And we find out at the end of this first chapter that Peter knows that he's not going to be alive very much longer, right? Did you catch that? 
Um, so he says, starting in 13, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. So he says, I'm writing to stir you up as long as I'm here with you in this body. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. That means he'll be leaving his body soon, right? As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. So Jesus has shown him either revelation, vision, dream, whatever. Jesus has told him, um, you know, he's going to die soon, right? Mm-hmm. He lived a, you know, pretty long life. I don't know exactly how old, I forget. But, uh, but you know, we know he died on a cross, right? Do you know that? Upside down. Yeah. Uh, 15. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So he says, I, I want... I'm writing these letters to you so that you remember these things that I'm writing because I won't be here anymore. So you'll be able to reference them, right? Mm -hmm. And still here we are almost 2,000 years later, still reading these words, right? Um, and, And he says, look, this is not just some fable that I'm telling. I was actually there with Jesus. And it's interesting. He says, uh, because we just talked about Mount Zion. This wasn't that particular same mountain Moses went up. But he says, We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. When God said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Right? So he says, Look, I was there with him, and I'm sharing these things with you, right? So it's the beginning. The beginning, he, he explains, after he has his greetings, he explains what he's stirring them up for. Mm-hmm. Okay? Three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So God has given us power to enter into his life. And and when he said who he's talking to, he said to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's writing to believers who have the same faith, right? Mm -hmm. But then he's stirring them up to come into the fullness of this life. Mm -hmm. Okay? For by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Do you know what that means? He says, I want you to be able to live a life, a godly life. I want you to be a partake. Do you know what partake means? Partake means to um, to have some, to... You could partake of a meal, you could eat the food, you could partake of playing a game, you're in the, it, it means to have some, to be a part of it, to take it in, mm-hmm. okay? He says, I want you to be able to take in the life of God, mm-hmm. that you're now living the life of God, <laughs> okay? Uh, let's see, where did I, partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Mm -hmm. So he says, the world around us is corrupt. 
It's degrading. It's dying, right? Because it's controlled by the sinful nature. Adam was ruler of the world. He handed over, he disobeyed God, handed over rulership of this world to Satan. And so it's a corrupt world. He says, we enter into the life of God and we escape the ways of this dying world, right? This corrupt world. Five, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. So he says, okay, it's good that you believe. Now let's look to actually live out a life of that faith, right? With virtue. Do you know what virtue means? Virtue is like... Um, Excellence, uh, righteousness—it's living a a good, noble life. Mm -hmm. Okay. In virtue with knowledge, so so learning the ways of God, right? Mm -hmm. And knowledge with self-control. So actually disciplining ourselves that we follow through on what we know we ought to do, Mm -hmm. right? And self-control with steadfastness. That means enduring, keeping on in this way. Because it's easy to do it for a little while. It's harder to keep doing it, right? And steadfast with steadfastness with godliness. And so, again, we take on God's life. As we continue on in this way, we take on more and more of his life. And godliness with brotherly affection. So as we have God in us, We treat others as God would treat them. We look to build them up and bless them, right? And brotherly affection with love. So God's love is now flowing through a people, not just through a person. Mm -hmm. God's goal is not to have one mighty man of God somewhere in the wilderness. God's goal is to have a people all flowing with his love and his way, right? Eight, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, so just knowing that Jesus is Lord falls short of God's purposes. Mm -hmm. The fullness of his life must be in you and in us as a people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, let's strive for this thing, right? Um. Let's see, 11. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, that's our goal, right? So he... Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a powerful thing. Like, it's the end of his life. He knows, I'm. well, I'm writing to you and this might be the last thing you ever hear from me. So I'm putting down in the words, you know, my advice to you. It's kind of a powerful thing, right? All right. And we move to Micah 4. And so again, once again, <laughs> we see a mountain in the kingdom. I, I did not remember that uh, when I started talking <laughs> about that. So really cool how the Lord brings these things together. Okay, so first of all, let me mention, uh, this is very similar to Isaiah 2. And they lived around the same time. Um, so obviously it's important. We don't know if one was quoting the other. Like maybe one of the prophets saw the other and said, oh yeah, that's the word of the Lord. I need to include that in mind too. Or if the Lord was just speaking this so loudly that they both heard it directly from the Lord, but they're very similar if you compare Isaiah 2 to um, 
to Micah 4. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted up above the hills, and people shall flow to it, and many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So we see here that there's, there's many mountains, many ways, mm-hmm. you know, many, many ways of doing life in this world, right? But we see an end times people of God, a mountain of God, his ways, mm-hmm. where it, all other ways fall short of his glorious mm-hmm. ways, right? And it becomes evident to the people. So the people are now flowing to this mountain and saying to those who have already been established on the mountain, say, teach us your ways. Right? And they, we want to come up this mountain. Teach us the ways of God. Right? And so, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Is this talking about the city of Jerusalem? It's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, right? The people of God, Mm -hmm. right? And shall decide disputes for strong nations far away, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So we see a people now that are so living the life of God that they're not worried anymore about having to have war with others. Because the Lord, God, is, is their leader, right? They have, they're living completely in His ways. They have no worries or concerns about others. And so they're, they're building, they're growing, they're not fighting, right? But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. So every man's provided for. The Lord God is providing, right? And no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and gather those who have been driven away and those whom I have afflicted. So he says, I've, look, I've, I've had to discipline my people so that they may be lame and afflicted. But now I'm gathering them in. They're able to learn my ways because they've had the ways of the world removed from them, right? And the lame I will make a remnant. I will make the remnant and those who are cast off a strong nation and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from this time forth and forevermore. And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion. So now he starts turning. It's interesting if you read this uh, in relation to Revelation 12 and you see the sun company and then you see the woman, right? And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come, the former dominion shall come, kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Nine. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? 
Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor. Oh, hold on, Wes. Let's go upstairs. Okay, we, so just probably backtracking a little bit. Verse 8, And you, O tower of the flock, hill of the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. The former dominion shall come. Kingship for the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why do you cry aloud? Is there no king in you? Has your counselor perished? That pain seized you like a woman in labor. Writhe and groan, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in labor. For now you shall go out from the city and dwell in the open country. You shall go to Babylon, there you shall be rescued, where the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. This is exactly like Revelation 12. So, a uh, pregnant woman um, going out into the wilderness um, in, in Babylon, like the ways of the world, right? Um, so, the, the woman, so we see, first of all, a sun company established, but now we see a separation, a woman. This is a church. It's a church at large, Okay has to go through the difficulties that others embraced formerly. And the, the Lord needs to rescue. The, there needs to be a sifting there, right? Mm-hmm. And, but the Lord says this is a plan in order to purify you. The bride must make herself ready before the Lord will return, right? She must be a spotless bride. Is the church today a spotless bride? No, right? 11, how many nations, did that answer your question? I know you asked a question about that, those verses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 11, how many nations are assembled against you saying, let her be defiled and let her eyes gaze upon Zion for they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan that he has gathered them as sheaves to the threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make your horn iron and I will make your hooves bronze, and you shall beat in pieces many peoples, and shall devote their gain to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of the whole earth. If you think about what happened when God used the people around uh, Israel and Judah to, to, to discipline them, right? To cast them out of the, of the promised land into Babylon, uh, he then had judgment on those people. It's not like he was saying those people were good and righteous. He, they were just a tool for his purposes, right? And then he blessed the people and brought them back. Mm-hmm. Or a remnant of them, though. It wasn't all of them. It wasn't most of them. But he then reestablished his people, right? Mm-hmm. And so we see the exact same picture here. And, of course, this was written before that time. So it was talking both about the literal, but also mm-hmm. the the spiritual reality of these things coming to their fulfillment in the history of man, right? Mm-hmm. And we finish in Psalm 105, and uh, the psalmist is just remembering, praising the Lord. He starts out, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds amongst the people. And then he starts to remember. Uh, first of all, he says, who, who is God, right? And what does he promise? Seven, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word that he commanded for a thousand generations. In other words, God has a plan and he will bring it to fulfillment. He is all powerful, all knowing, all wise. And he has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And so what is his purpose and should we be about it, Right. 11, to saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. 
Canaan was a bad place. It was a good land filled with a people living in a terrible ways. He says, I'm going to remove these ways from this land and bless you in it. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so obviously a picture of his kingdom, of remaking the world back into the Garden of Eden. Right? 15. Saying, touch not... Oh, that was... I highlighted that last time. 17. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. So again, we see this picture uh, very similar to um, what kind of things we were just talking about. The discipline and then the raising up, right? 20. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. So Joseph was disciplined and trained through a lot of difficulty, but then raised up to to be a blessing to the people, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go through, and and then he starts to move forward in time, and at the uh, the devastations brought on Egypt when he was pulling them out. Thirty six says he struck down all the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all their strength. Thirty eight Egypt was glad when they departed, for dread of them had fallen upon it. So remember, this is, Egypt is a picture of the world, right? So we see the people of God coming out of the ways of the world. You see that picture? 39, he spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light by night. So now God's presence is in and with his people, leading them, right? They're no longer living according to the ways of the world, They're living according to the ways of God, right? And his presence is there protecting them. 40, they asked and he brought quail and gave them bread from heaven in abundance. So he he took care of all their needs. We just talked about that in Micah, right? God taking care of our needs, not having the same fears that the world has, but living in God's way, being taken care of by God, right? 42, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. So God God has given a promise. He has a purpose. He will bring these things about. Right? It must be the way that we live in this faith, as Peter was talking about. Living according to the faith. Not just having a faith and living as the world lives, but having a faith and truly living that faith out. Right? Entering into the promises. 44, and he gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toil, for they might keep his statutes. So we see a people had worked. When the people came into the promised land, there was already big vineyards and fields and cities. There was already all this stuff for them to take, right? It was just a blessing, a blessed gift by the hand of the Lord to them, right? That they might keep, and for what purposes? So they've taken the promised land. God's giving us his kingdom that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. So that he has a people that actually lives according to his ways and his wisdom. It's what we started out talking about, right? Uh, Living according to the ways of God in his kingdom as he would structure it, not as man does. Right? All right. That's all I have. Do you have anything else for today? No. All right. Well, God bless you. God bless you.